Welcome, everyone, to a Thursday edition of Back Your Play with Q. I'm your host, as always, Rich Quinones. You can check us out online, YouTube channel, Rich Q and Q, Twitter, IG, at Rich Q and Q. Our guy, Nick Costco, at Nick Costco 59 College Sports for On3 Sports. Also does a great job with RU Wrestling, uh, Cal Athletics in our backyard. March Madness right around the corner. We've got some draft little nuggets we have to catch up on. Uh, we've got some coaches who might be on the hot seat in college hoop, so we'll break it down for the next couple of moments. Nick, always appreciate a couple of moments, pal. How are you? Absolutely, Rich. I appreciate you having me on as always. Uh, excuse the makeshift studio today in the in the, in the middle of a move, but I promise you there will be uh, uh, back to normal plus upgrades coming within the next couple of weeks. He's, uh, and, he, and he mentioned to add it, the upgrades coming. That's okay. We make do with what we have as long oh, of as course. Uh, we always the content we're sprouting is good. That's all that matters. All right, so we'll get into some college basketball because a couple of schools of thought here. Uh, Jim Beheim retires, steps down, whatever we want to call it, de facto goodbye, 47 seasons, over a thousand wins. You know, we remember he had about a hundred of those forfeited due to violations, 35 trips into March Madness, five final fours and a title. I mean, Beheim, you know, right. Coach K. I mean, it's almost like the changing of the guard now with these coaches in college hoops, but it's still remarkable when you coach for 35, 40 something odd years and you only have one title or multiple titles, I feel as though Jim Beheim should have had so many more titles. And remember we, the knock on him was he couldn't get over the hump. Right. And, win a right. and you go back to Jim Beheim's lone championship. And again, I, I don't pretend to be an expert on Syracuse basketball or, or an expert on Jim Beheim. I just know the impact he's had on college basketball, but his one national titles or his one national title was with Carmelo Anthony. Well, let's not forget that. So he had a generational player and a future NBA hall of famer on his team to lead that orange squad, which is considered one of the best squads over the, the, what, the last 20, 25 years at this point. So in terms at least in terms of college basketball, but you're right. You would think a guy of Jim Beheim's stature would be a guy that would have two, three, maybe four national titles beyond par with the Coach K's, uh, the John Calipari's, uh, obviously going, but you know, Bill Bill Self at this point, yeah. you know, again, just just guys that are uh, the modern day guys that have multiple national titles, and he just wasn't. Now that doesn't take away from how great of a coach he was, and if you look at the latter stages of his career, particularly over the last, let's just say, ten years, of course, you had the they sprinkled in. Uh, the Elite Eight appearances yep. when they were low seats. I believe they had a Final Four appearance within the yep. last 10 years as well. So, you know, he still found ways to make something out of nothing with some of these teams that he's had in recent years. Obviously, the past couple of years, he's kind of worn out his welcome, so to speak, in the in the eyes of some Syracuse fans. And the retirement uh, yesterday, I believe, I believe it actually was yesterday, it, it, all, it all blends together at this point. It was very weird because they, you know, they weren't good this year. They get bounced early from the ACC yeah. tournament. And, and barring a miracle run to an ACC tournament title. This team was not going to make the NCAA tournament this year. And then he was asked multiple times, by I believe by the same reporter, I forget, I forget yes. her name. And he was asked about, are you retiring? What's your future like? And he said, it's up to the university. It's up to the university. Uh, I didn't say that. You know, it, it, it's one of those things. And then two hours later, which I, I missed until last night, um, that, you know, again, I shut my brain off for a couple of hours, hours after ingesting so much Jim Beheim this week. And I find out, he, he he's gone. He's retired, and they and they hired an internal candidate to replace him. So, um, as far as the impact he's had on college basketball, it's immense. And I, you know, uh, 
vacated wins aside, the guy won over a thousand games. Yep. He's, one of, he's one of the greatest coaches in college basketball history. He was, he was at Syracuse for nearly 50 years as a head coach. So, you know, it's going to look vastly different for in the next, you know, let's just say two to five to 10 years without him. But I think uh, I'm not going to say he overstayed his welcome, but this was definitely finally time for him to step away. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and you're right. It, it, it almost left, you know, it's open to interpretation. Well, I didn't say that. Well, did you get pushed out? Did you get fired? Were you stepping back? Is there an opportunity to come back? It seems like that's in, as you mentioned, 40 plus years, 47 to be exact. And if you hearken back to the days of the Big East mm-hmm. with the Calhouns, right? With the Connecticut's, with the Syracuse, with the St. John's, with the Georgetown's, with the Nova's, that was the Mecca of the heyday. And then absolutely, know, obviously with the transfer. Right. Because he was a guy that yeah. was, uh, if I remember correctly, at least out in the public, he was, you know, he wasn't trashing the move, if I, if I remember, but at least he was not, he, he was against it. He was against the ACC. He, he was. didn't like the realignment of the conferences. You know, obviously you look at the Big East of basketball now, it's not the Big East of 15, 20 years ago at this point. It's not that classic Big East feel. Um, and then when they, when, uh, college sports realign. You saw the realignment to the ACC. Syracuse. I mean, I guess. I mean, I guess we're used to it now, football wise and other sports wise. I mean, probably basketball wise, we are used to Syracuse being an ACC team. But I think with the figurehead of Jim Beheim in that program, it's Big like, East. well, this is not really an ACC team. No. This is a this is a Big East team. You know, it's we're not used to seeing Syracuse and Duke playing every single season. No. And I, again, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal because, again, you get the realignment money, obviously. Syracuse being a Power 5 school in all sports obviously helps the entire university. But I think just with the the old school mentality and the feel and the bravado of Jim Beheim, you're like, this is not this is not Syracuse basketball over the last, you know, let, let's just say almost 10 years now. It, it, it's not. And I go back to what you just said regarding the Big East, I mean, the Big East came into play because of the games on Tuesdays and Thursdays, right, right. back in the day with ESPN and the Carrier Dome. I mean, that's yep. when the, the, the yeah. Big East, and you had, you know, Carnesecca, and you had Thompson, you had Raleigh Mas. I mean, I mean, that was the heyday, the Mecca. And you're right, he wasn't really supportive of that move, and rightfully so, because I still equate Syracuse, right, the Orange men, right, yeah. not the Orange, to the Big East. But, yes, uh, definitely Hall of Famer. Uh, you can't dispute what he's done. And then conversely, when you look at his old conference in the Big East and you look at what's transpired over the last several years with Georgetown, I mean, it's tough, man. And I think I, I, I we talked a little bit about this a while ago. When you've got a former player like Pat Hewing, uh, one of my all-time favorites with the Knicks, great college player, we know that. Uh, you're talking about three Final Fours and a title run with Georgetown back in the day. When you now are taken over the helm and you don't win in your conference you just get waxed by 30 something almost 40 by Villanova you finish right. 7 and 25 you've won 13 games over two seasons and more importantly equated to being an NFC East head coach you can't win within your division your conference in this realm I mean 29 game losing streak in the Big East 2 and 18 in the Big East uh, 75 and 109 as a head coach man you know, you can't sit there and say, well, it's the recruiting in this. I mean, okay, I get it. You're going to try to build around one guard in, in Primo Spears. I mean, that's the only player they have on this squad. I don't know how, if you're Georgetown, you don't fire Pat Hewing. And it's unfortunate because he meant so much and has meant so much to that university and that program. But the numbers don't lie. I mean, if you can't win in your conference, aside from a run they had, a couple of years ago, it's been mm-hmm. a horrible, horrible tenure. 
for the big man. Yeah, it, it, it stinks too because when you're looking at Patrick Ewing, you're like, all right, well, we hired one of our own. One of our own, it, it loves this program more than anything. I mean, you could almost say, I mean, I mean, may, maybe not because you're, you're a little bit more familiar with Patrick Ewing than I am, obviously. Um, but you could almost equate Patrick Ewing more with Georgetown than with the New York Knicks at this point because he was such. And then you make him the head coach, and you're like, all right, if this is if this doesn't work, what are we going to do? But you almost can't not try it. And just looking down the list of his first couple of years, I mean, yep. they were decent seasons. You know, he made the NIT his second year. They were right at 500 his first year. So something obviously went wrong after the year they made the NCAA tournament. Now, now granted, you know, the, the nineteen twenty season, they were under 500, but the, of course the season was canceled right. um, amid the start of the pandemic. And then the next year it was all weird, you know, sure. And there's no crowds. They were 13 and 13, but they squeaked out a uh, division, uh, sorry, a uh, NCAA tournament appearance because they ended up winning the conference. And right. then you, you thought, you know, that was an average team. It's like, okay, if Patrick Ewing can mold his guys to win a conference tournament when they're right at 500, I know they got bounced in the first round, but still, you can you can win a conference title and then you can make the NCAA tournament. All right, what can we do now with a full slate over the next year or two or three? Better recruiting classes. We're going to try to get further away from the COVID weird seasons. And all of a sudden, he wins 13 combined games over the next two years. And you're like, what happened? Yeah. Is it a coaching thing? Is it his staff? Is it the way he recruits guys? Is he not putting guys in proper positions? I mean, you can – almost write a thesis on this as, as far as, you know, what, what went wrong over these last two calendar years for Patrick Ewing. I really have no answer for it because I find it hard to believe that now, again, they were middling teams and, but, but he, he coached up a team in March to win a conference title a couple of years ago. Where did that go? You would think you're able to at least be competitive with that type of coaching, that type of spirit. All of a sudden, they're not doing it, and they won 13 games in the last two years. They won 13 games in route to a conference title uh, just two years ago. So I don't know what happened, and as far as firing him, I guess you really have no choice if you're going to win 13 games over two years. Do they give him one more year? I can almost see them giving him one more year to see what happens, but it'd be one of those short leashes where if they get off to a poor start again for the 23-24 season, in, in essence of maybe a 1-5 in five start, a two and eight start, they're going to cut ties immediately. Then he's going to have maybe a 10 game maximum leash next season. But then don't bring him back, going. but don't bring him back then. If, you're if, right. If you're, you're, you're right. I, I agree with you in, in yeah. that sense that I never agree with that type of move. If, if you're going to give a guy a, a half a season leash the next year, just get rid of him now because you're not expecting much. Now at this point, you're, you're basically expecting to fire him at some point, but you want to give him some extra time, what, on the payroll? I don't understand how that, that movie is. So I agree with you there, but I do foresee a scenario like that. I mean, or at least I could see a scenario like that for Patrick Ewing. But they're not even competitive in these games. Yeah, I mean, it's, if you're it's betting, bad. I don't, I don't understand. If you're a betting man, you lean them, and there's, you know, and, and you ride them out, these losing streaks, and I'm wondering, too, you mentioned the recruiting. College sports is all about – Recruiting, right? Years ago, if St. John's can't keep guys in from the boroughs, whether it's Queens, whether it's the Bronx or Brooklyn, or you get the mm -hmm. street kids, you know, you get the real good players. If Washington can't keep these guys in the Northwest or Southwest DC area, if they can't go down to Baltimore and recruit, they're never going to be competitive. Uh, um, uh, Georgetown is if they can't get these kids. So well, it's amazing. You mentioned that area too, that that is a basketball heavy it, area. Of and course it I, is. It's right in your backyard. What are you doing there? And I, I get, you have yes. the, 
the Northeast schools now at this point, you have the influence of the Big Ten, like Rutgers and Penn State, or and, and obviously Maryland right there in College Park. You have, you know, so you have a Power Five conference over top of you at the very least. You have the other Big East schools, like a Syracuse, like a Syracuse won't, wouldn't be afraid to come down to that area as well. Yeah, obviously, you mentioned the St. John's, that entire Northeast area. Villanova, hell, heck, Villanova will come out of the, out of Pennsylvania to come down to there as well. So the area is so heavy with basketball talent. But yes, Georgetown, you're right there. You're in the thick of it. You, this should be the easiest sell at this point, especially when you're coached by. Unless Patrick Ewing behind closed doors is just not a good coach at all, you would think at least at the very least a Georgetown legend like himself and being more of a figurehead of a coach and having a better staff around him, that would maybe make a recruit uh, more enticed to pick Georgetown. Yeah, but it doesn't make the player better. That's no, the thing. Unless you're right. You you're right. It, 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 and, is, it is twofold there. Boy. Yeah, it, it, and, it's a two-part process. Yeah, and 0-19 in conference play last year. And, and the problem now is when you have the president coming out saying, I've known him for 40-plus years and this and that, you, you have to throw sentiment aside you have to cast it aside it's funny you said that, that that's basically the last line of defense where he doesn't want to fire him yet of course until he gets more pressure but now take it a step further mm-hmm. the the financial resources right the boosters the alumni the backers um yeah i just i i i feel bad but i also I, I've said this for years now. It's very hard when you are a living legend to right. come back and, you know, coach a team or be part of an organization because people still look at you. You're revered in a certain light as a player, as a, as player, a player, but it and doesn't I, mean you're going to be a good head coach. Right. And this might not be the best example, but at least it's it's the first one that came to mind is, you know, when Magic Johnson uh, turned I to coaching just thinking that. in the NBA, yeah, that, 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 that's the first one that comes to mind. He is, you know, some people make the argument that he could be the greatest player of all time. And yet as a coach, it's like he flamed out pretty much immediately. It, it just, it just doesn't work for these guys. And I think and another rare example where it does work, you know, a guy like Phil Jackson, he wasn't, you know, the greatest player of all time, but he obviously played in the NBA, very good player, player for the Knicks. And then, yep. then he, all of a sudden he, now he's considered the greatest coach in NBA history. So it, it's, 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 it's hit and miss. This this is like if Le, you know. I know LeBron didn't play college basketball, but this is almost like if LeBron coached his high school and and, and then was they were a very middling high school for some reason, and then all of a sudden he just flamed out as a coach because he, he doesn't know how to put himself in position as a coach compared to how he is as a floor general, as arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest player of all time. It, it's just it's just so different. It's a much different dynamic where I guess it just it just the the, the magic ran out, so to speak, for Patrick Ewing. Yeah, and some of these guys, too, you mentioned Phil Jackson. He was a role player, right? You know, yeah. uh, Pat Riley, bench role player. So these are the guys that sit and they learn under someone else's tutelage and leadership. They're and almost like bench coaches. Coach, and then they happen to that's bring exactly it. Because when you're the stud, the star, right? It's, yeah, it caters I, to you. Yeah, and I, and I also can't force Nick to be the player that I was, you know, right. it's very hard to do that. Correct. Um, yeah, I, I, I think they're going to go in a different direction and I'm wondering, hear me out on this. Mm-hmm. If they fire, uh, Pat, Patrick Hewing, would you make a push? Can you see them making a push for Patino? I mean, I know Rick Patino's the name that's being thrown out there for a lot of jobs now at this point, because he's only at, I mean, I, I mean, 
it's no disrespect to Iona, but he's only no. at Iona. This, you know, this is a guy who's going to be coaching his team in the MAC, you know, in the MAC conference yeah. tournament if it hasn't started already out in Atlantic City. You know, in our in our backyard. Now I get, now I get, they won it the other year, and he's done a great, he's done a heck of a job in his short time at Iona. After you know, what was he coaching in Greece before before he came back to the states to coach college basketball? I mean, Patino has said that he wants to finish his career at Iona, and I get that's probably more coach speak and more public relations speak for the university, but. I mean, if you're Rick Patino, I would find it hard to believe where he was as a coach, particularly, particularly within the last 15 years, where he was at Louisville, and that was the peak of college basketball, where you know he was going up against you know the, the Kentucky Louisville rivalry. Louisville was just, was such a great, great program. Now again, that that's a whole separate story with Kenny Payne. Again, another another former player, yep. you know, coming from the coming from a. Uh, the NBA uh, coaching circles, you know, Louisville's a mess this year, but I'm not saying Louisville will go after Rick Patino again, oh, but horrible, uh, the, yeah, yeah. No, on the whole Patino thing though, everyone's saying, well, he's doing a heck of a job at Iona. Why not? If you're a power five school or one of these bigger basketball programs, why not go after Patino, bring him in and give him a chance to kind of, I mean, he's kind of resurrected his career a little bit. I know it was marred in scandal at Louisville yep. and he left. And then, but again, he's, you know, despite what you think of him, he is a great, head coach and I'm looking at his record right now 60 and 21 at Iona that's pretty darn good in three seasons considering he won a conference title in his first year um during that shortened season and obviously you know they, they they've won the regular season uh both years uh or the last two years at least um at, at Iona so three-year experiments to go back somewhere else does anybody else make a push for him I mean if you're Georgetown why wouldn't I mean I would at least call him why wouldn't you yeah, yeah. Just imagine, yeah. just imagine uh, a basketball school like Georgetown has the history, has the pedigree, you know, ha- has the moniker of like, you know, this is Georgetown, like this, this is your East Coast basketball school. We can, you know, who cares? Big Ten, ACC, whatever the case may be. We're we're Georgetown, home of legends. Right. We're gonna reset here. Rick Pitino is the head coach. I mean, come on. It's incredibility, that, that would, I mean, too. You, 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 mean, you thought Patrick Ewing brought Buds coming like coming home as the head coach. Rick Patino, all yep. eyes would be on Georgetown, yep. for better I, or worse, at that point. Yeah. And, and to me, Patino does make a little bit of sense just from a basketball perspective. I mean, I think he brings instant credibility. And, again, regardless of what you thought about the scandals and how it ended up in Louisville. He wins. Uh, wins. You're right. He wins. I'm trying to look at the last year where he, where he won less than 20 games. And it happens to be his first year at Iona where, again, it was 12 and six. It was a shortened year. But I'm going back. The last time he won less than 19 games or less than 20 games, Rich, 2001-2002, that season, 19 and 13 with Louisville. And they made the, they made the NIT. This guy was 20 games every year. Yeah. You can't tell me right now if they hired him. They would, they, they would not win between 17 and 20 games next year. And, and more importantly, you're winning games in your conference. That's right. the thing. Like, that's what stands out when I look at what Georgetown has just become, 2-18 and 18 in the Big East. They were winless in the conference um, last year. Uh, one more in a head coach, and then I want to get to um, – Also, by the way, sne- sneaky little tidbit on Rick Patino. Yeah. You know, because you know, everyone ages like fine wine. He's only 70. That's a, that's a young seventy. He's a, he's a young seventy. Give give him five years at Georgetown. Let him let him uh, retire after a couple of tournament appearances. Listen, he's won the everywhere he's gone, even when I'm you saying. go back yep. to his you're, Providence days. You're right. I like I, I'm liking the idea a little bit more now that you brought. It up. <laughs> All right. At least you like that as opposed to me saying hardball to the Cowboys. Um, <laughs> hi, Nick Costco joining us from uh, on Three Sports. Uh, Mark Adams, Texas Tech, did not coach last night to the loss. Mm-hmm. 
against uh, in the loss against uh, West Virginia, pretty much uh, they've uh, said, see you later. Uh, again, here's another coach, right? 16 and 16, I think overall, but five and 13 conference play didn't help his cause by some of his comments. I think the expectations were very high for him. When you look at the type of contract that he yeah. signed, I think it was 15.5 over five years. Um, you know, what, you know, what are you hearing about Texas Tech right now and uh, the decision to uh, move away from Adams? I mean, nothing really much on the coaching front as far as where they're going to go next. But, I mean, it, it, it is amazing that his first year they win 27 games. They get to the Sweet 16. And this is a team that just made the national championship game within the last, what, three or four years, yep. if memory serves correct. So, um, you know, they had, big, they had big expectations for Mark Adams. Obviously, he was in the program yep. for a handful of years as an assistant coach. Uh, you know, he was assistant, you know, all over you know, in uh, other places as well. So, you know, he was a great head coach uh, in other divisions, you know, obviously as, as a JUCO coach, NIAA back in the day, uh, Division II coach. So he had the head coaching experience. So I, I guess looking back at last year, it was an interesting internal hire uh, for Texas Tech. But, I mean, they, they, they kept with what they knew. Um, but I think you know, they did not meet expectations this year, obviously hovering around that 500 mark all season long. The fact that they let him go after just what barely two seasons at this point, this is the, again, this is a team that made the sweet 16 last year. And again, I think it just stems from the com the alleged comments that he made. I think at that point in today's society, and then this is, yeah, this is without going good. off on a tangent um, with the way society and sports mesh now, especially with over the last almost 10 years now at this point, if, if something like that comes out, that that person is almost assuredly going to be out of a job before, before it's too late yeah. at that point. And, yep. you know, for, you know, whether it's right or wrong, again, I don't know what exactly what was said. This is all alleged. We're just going based on reports here. I'm not saying any type of opinion on what he said. I'm just saying whatever he said, and that was alleged for these insensitive remarks. I think you, I think you had to know that the axe was coming down at some point, and it just happened to be right now in the middle of March Madness. Yeah. Um, and you're right. And sometimes when you have a bad loss and you look at the overall scheme right. of things, record like, conference, you, you, yeah. you're basically saying, all right, we have a down year, bad loss. Do we Here's want to with the outside noise? Here you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, lastly, quickly, uh, Jalen Carter, uh, the big, uh, defensive lineman, Georgia top prospect. Uh, we know everything that happened with the, the, the reckless driving and whatnot. And you know, I, I'm just wondering though, there was thought that, top 10 maybe now all of a sudden you're seeing you know 15 to 20 maybe slide into 16 17 yeah how much of the off the field issues would would cause him to have this uh major drop and more importantly you know we talk about this right the red flags mm -hmm. um how much do you think that will weigh into a team's decision where let's be honest i mean this kid is he, he can take over games, man. He can be a very <laughs> dominant player and he's going to help any team's defensive front. But I'm just wondering when you peel back the curtain a little bit, red flags, how much of a drop do you think he's going to have? His How much of a hit does his uh, draft status take? I mean, stop? it does take a hit. This is a guy that was a potential number one overall pick, depending upon who was going to be selecting in that slot. So you know, it's, it, it, it is a track, you know, without going into the details of what actually happened in the case of the reckless driving, obviously resulted in the death of a Georgia player and a Georgia staffer. So, you know, his alleged involvement, obviously, you know, the reckless driving and whether he was directly responsible or, you know, he's just a, a part of the cog in that tragic situation. But it's interesting that 
that when that came out, that's what started the slide. But if you remember going back, this is before the combine. I want to say this is last month. It's probably not too long after the national championship as well. Everyone said how good Jalen Carter was. Okay. How great he could be as an NFL player, potential number one overall pick. This guy might be the best defensive lineman over the last two years, best defensive player to come out of Georgia over the last two years. People were saying then, even during the year, right after the championship game, about his draft stock, saying that there are character concerns. If you remember, you know, the Mel Kuypers, the Todd McShays, yep. guys like that were reporting this. Everyone was kind of brushing it off, especially the, the, uh, the Georgia brass. They were brushing it off. Sure enough, those might actually be valid concerns for Jalen Carter. And then this comes out. So do I still think he's going to be drafted in the first round? I'd be stunned if he's not drafted in the first round. Just how far he's going to slide? I don't know. I know projections are saying 12, 15, 16 range as far as him going the top 10. I still think it's a great possibility that someone's just going to overlook it, take their chance, and deal with it after they draft him. And whether that's going to be a top five pick, a top 10 pick, I could see it's a 50 50 shot, obviously. I know that's not really a good uh, set of odds right there. Because obviously, I'm kind of like hedging my prediction here. Right. So uh, let's just say it's not really a prediction, but I, but I will say I would be stunned if he's not. Uh, drafted in the first round I still say he's going to go probably within those first top 15 top 16 picks and again number one overall probably not at this point no. I think the way the draft is shaping up especially with the quarterbacks and who's going to take a quarterback someone's going to probably take a quarterback number one overall and it might be Bryce Young at this point and that's my pick for quarter the first quarterback to go and he might be the number one overall pick uh, I don't know who's going to take him yet maybe Houston takes him I, I, have, I have no idea so um, but Jalen Carter to me is still going to be a first round pick. He'll still be a top 15, top 16, but the league, again, you have to monitor this legal situation because with this out coupled with the rumors and reports of character red flags before that, I think it's something you really, you definitely have to watch now. If you're, if you're a team that's going to select Jalen Carter, yeah, especially when you give that big time money, right. When you're talking about right. these top five draft picks and whatnot. So, all right, he is uh, Nick Costco at Nick Costco 59 college sports for on three sports does a great job. Play by play. Are you wrestling? And of course, Cal athletics. He's in the midst of a move. Do we have any broadcasting duties this weekend? Broadcasting duties this week? No, but I'll be on the road uh, next week in Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma for nice. the NCAA wrestling championships. So I'll be writing coverage of the, uh, best wrestling tournament in the country uh, for on three sports. And then uh, next broadcast, we have a little bit of a lull, you know, it, it, big travel month here in March, but I'll be back uh, at, up at Rutgers uh, in the beginning of April for some uh, good old Rutgers baseball. On there April you 4th. go. Oh, look at that. Man, wrestling, baseball, he's well around and, and, and rightfully so. So all right, pal, it, it is uh, spring. It's, it's a nice day out today. In it's South gorgeous Korea. out we'll today. Gorgeous this out is what today. I'm saying. When it's only six o'clock and it's still light out, this makes me happy. Oh, it's getting better. <laughs> it's getting, yes. Day by day, brother. Day by Absolutely. day. All right, everyone uh, give Nick, follow appreciate you jumping on board for a couple minutes of a uh, thursday edition byp pal appreciate you